I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Andy J Podcast. Podcast. Hello there, welcome to the latest episode of the Andy J Podcast. I hope you are having a lovely, lovely week and life is going well for you. If it's not, then I hope the next few conversations will distract you, entertain you and just give you something else to think about for a little while because we have some really cool guests this week. First up, the incredible Timmy Mallet star of Mallet's Mallet and it's Ibitsy Teeny Weeny, Yellow Polka Dot Bikini and and and. He's just wow. I mean I grew up with Timmy. He's like the children's presenter that everybody knows and loves if you're around my age. If not look him up on YouTube. My goodness he, I mean he hosted something called Whackaday for goodness sake. That tells you everything. He's brilliant. Now I was expecting a slightly mad cap slightly wild because he wears all these crazy clothes and all this kind of thing you know, individual who was just a bit, a bit kind of uh, effervescent. However, I wasn't expecting a deep, charming, fascinating, engaging, lovely man. And it's, it's how dare I not expect that? But there was a side to Timmy that I wasn't expecting. And that's the side that I was able to tap into that he brought to the table. He brought to the conversation. He was just fascinating. In fact, I've had several people say the same. Timmy is incredible company. And I really, really enjoyed talking to him. So Timmy Mallet is guest number one. The remarkable, the incredible Darren Brown. I mean, oh, I was actually really nervous ahead of the conversation. I think Darren's incredible, like a proper, proper legend. I've seen him live several times and I was like, oh my gosh, Darren. I don't really get nervous generally kind of chatting to these people, but Darren, man, I was a bit nervous as I, as I dialed his number, but he was so cool. What a star. So Darren Brown is a big name for us. And then we finish with singing sensation Amy MacDonald. Now I'll be honest with you, wasn't hugely aware of Amy McDonald's body of work prior to um, going into the conversation. I was sent her album and I then kind of checked out her massive back catalogue of stuff and watched some things that she'd done. And she is, she's a performer, my goodness. Wow, what a voice, what a talent. I'm thrilled to have now discovered Amy McDonald. So she's the third guest and she's really cool. I really enjoyed her company. And actually, one of the things, since I kind of mentioned to people on social media and stuff, oh, I'm talking to Amy McDonald, number of people that come out and went, wow, she's awesome, I love Amy, I love Amy, she's great. So, yeah, I think you'll enjoy Amy as well. Let's jump into the conversation. Podcast. The Andy J Podcast. It's Driven here on Talk Radio, the show that talks to celebrities and achievers about what drives them. And I must say, my next guest, well, the producer Johnny, who is responsible for all the magic on this show, he knows me very well now, and he knew not to tell me that I was having this guest on the show until the night before, because he knew I would just be bouncing off the walls with excitement, because, well... He is a proper hero of mine. I'm thrilled to be able to welcome the one and only Timmy Mallet. Timmy, how are you doing? 
Oh, Andy, what a lovely introduction. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I am so, so excited to be chatting to you, Timmy. You know, I'm sure you've heard this a million times before by people that stop you in the street or wherever they might get the chance to meet you. But we grew up together. (laughs) How nice. What a lovely phrase. Yeah, it is funny that. uh, That does happen quite often. And uh, it doesn't surprise me. It does surprise people I'm with. Um, what was it that I, I, we found the other day? I was looking back through an old diary, an old desk diary. Do you remember desk diaries before you had them, your diary on your, uh, on your device? Yeah. So a desk diary, you would write down things. And there it was saying, oh, uh, you know, on this day, we're doing a, uh, some sort of car rally. And I said to Mrs. Mallet, I said, oh, do you remember that? And she said, funnily enough, I do. It was 1990 and it's this this car rally because driving around searching for whatever we were searching for, you're with a bunch of people who you've never met before. And when we stopped to uh, ask for something, uh, I got a bunch of people going, it's Timmy Mallet. (laughs) And the woman in my car said, who are you? Who are you? That's brilliant. (laughs) Wow. I can only assume that she was very young, Timmy, because anyone of a certain age, you know, my age, 10 years older than me, 10 years younger than me, they not only think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, but they grew up with you. You know, we watched you on our screens. We listened to you on our radios. We heard your pop tunes. I mean, you were everywhere and everything to so many of us. You know, your energy, your enthusiasm, your creativity, your colour schemes. It was just, oh, I mean, brilliant. Thank you. Don't you mean utterly brilliant? Well, that's a segue, isn't it? <laughs> Almost partridge-esque, that one. <laughs> of course, because Utterly Brilliant is your absolutely fascinating and, and completely charming book that, that's, that's out, and I've had the pleasure of reading it. I know many other people have, but people that are new to it will see a, a completely different Timmy Mallet to who I think we were expecting to see. And so tell me what you found about it then and, and why you found it um, uh, different to what you expected, Andy. Well, <laughs> I love that you turned this around to me. You know, you're now interviewing me because you're a pro and it's amazing. But I, of course, my perception of, of Timmy is of you is this amazing bundle of energy, super creative, uh, kind of wacky, wild. I mean, you know, wide awake club, wackaday, mallets, mallet, itsy bitsy, teeny weedy, yellow polka dot bikini. You are that cool, hilarious, bonkers dude from the TV. And incidentally, Timmy, you also haven't changed. Visually, you're the same you as you were 20, 30 years ago. So I was <coughs> expecting your book to be a series of sort of quite funny, tongue in cheek, and there's plenty of that, incidentally, but quite funny, tongue in cheek chats about, you know, this was what we did backstage and this was the moment that I, you know, was laughing because I'd bashed the kid on the head too hard with the mallet or whatever it might be. And instead, what I read was a incredibly bright, considered, articulate, thoughtful, spiritual, charming, heartwarming, sad, compelling, beautiful piece of work about this incredible journey, this deep thinking, lovely man. 
That's very nicely put, Andy, and I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you, because uh, life is full of surprises. And if we knew the answer to everything that was ever going to happen, well, there wouldn't be an awful lot of point, would there? You should have be surprised. You should be um, uh, you find yourself thinking, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Mm. So the, the idea for... Um, Utterly brilliant. My life's journey uh, comes from a, a big, challenging cycle ride that uh, I undertook, uh, inspired by my brother, my Down syndrome brother Martin, uh, uh, who just with language and learning difficulties reached his potential every day and uh, has a way of being involved in the here and now of living. And I love this phrase, the here and now, because, it, you know, there's no point in, in spending an awful lot of time on what happened or what is about to happen. It's about the here and now and enjoying this particular moment. And uh, my brother, Martin, if he was here now, he would be saying, Hello, my name's Martin. He'd introduce himself to you, uh, and he'd be fascinated by the business of uh, being on the radio and chatting. Um, and I like that. Uh, so Martin uh, always made the most of every single day. Mm. And I like the idea of uh, setting off and cycling the Camino de Santiago, which, I don't know, do you know what the Camino de Santiago is, Andy? Well, it means St. James in a Field of sin, st Stars, doesn't it? That's yeah, it's a, an ancient pilgrimage route, which has been around for a squillion years. And back in the Middle Ages, roughly a quarter of a million people a year would make their way from wherever they lived in Europe across to uh, northwest Spain, to Santiago de Compostela, um, to the cathedral where the bones are, are kept of St. James the Apostle. Uh, and St. James is a companion of Christ. And he is, uh, for, for people who um, traveled in the Middle Ages, you'd go there rather than to Jerusalem or to Rome because it's difficult to get to those places. Uh, and I quite like this idea of... Um, uh, of uh, making this journey. It, it's a very popular journey to do these days. A lot of people will fly into um, uh, uh, the Pyrenees and will set off and walk it, uh, walk the Camino. Well, I rather like the idea of, uh, of doing it unplanned and uh, uncharted, if you like, from home. So setting off, at, cycling out of my drive and making the first decision, do I go left or right? And heading off down to Portsmouth to catch a ferry across to France and then cycling through France and over the Pyrenees and over the vast plains of uh, northern Spain to Santiago and then uh, back again, uh, but doing this on my own. And I thought I'd go in a glorious springtime and paint the journey as I went because I love my art. Uh, art and history are the things that have always driven me about stories. Of, uh, this is what people do and, and why do they do it? So uh, that was that's the idea, except I went in the springtime, which wasn't like this spring. This yeah. spring was absolutely glorious. You know, a spring we'll all remember because during lockdown we had absolutely fabulous weather and a glorious spring. Two years ago, we didn't have that. We had the beast from the east. We had storms and uh, torrential downpours and, and snow and, and gales and yikes. That's what I was cycling in. And that was rather a challenge. But the other part of this was 
my brother Martin, yes. who uh, a week before I set off, sadly passed away, N- not from Downs, but from dementia. You know, it's a wretched, awful disease. And uh, he was 64 years and seven months old, uh, which is quite an age for someone with Downs, but uh, every single day making the most of his abilities. And at his funeral, my big brother, Paul, um, found his name tags, the lovely things that your mum sews into your clothes to prove that they're yours. And he gave me this bunch of name tags. He said, I don't know, can you use them at all? And I thought, I I will, I'll take these because they're nice and light. And I'll use it to mark my journey. So all across Europe, I've marked the journey with a little Martin Mallet name tag. Now, that might be at a lovely view, a wayside marker in a castle uh, with somebody I've enjoyed meeting, maybe in a church, a cathedral, a a vineyard. It doesn't really matter. Wherever it is, every single day, I I had a little Martin Mallet moment and and thought about my brother and my family and those who were important to me. And I'd leave this name tag. And in the book, it shows the exact GPS of every single one of them. Uh, Because I I took a, a little GPS thing on my bike and uh, on Strava, you can follow the journey. You can see where I've turned around to have another look at that little view. Is that a painting? Is that a sketch or a photo or something? Uh, and or is that a Martin moment? And um, so he, he was with me all the way there. And at the finished stair, when I got to the furthest point west that you can go in Europe, um, I went to get my little pilgrim passport stamped and they said, oh, well done. Congratulations. Here's your certificate. And uh, they gave me two. They gave me one. I was surprised at the second one, but they said, oh, we'll, we'll give you one for Martin. Oh, and I really like that. Yeah. The fact that I, I carried my brother in my heart all my way. And uh, it just reminds me that, you know, these are the things that are important to you. So I've used the story to describe the different um, episodes and the different things uh, in my life and career. So you'll get stories of Whackaday, of Mallet's Mallet, of Itsy Bitsy, of Timmy on the Tranny on the radio, uh, stories about family and uh, stories about my, um, my love of history and art uh, and stuff that, um, that drives me. And it inspires me to just do a little bit more. You know, this is a, a, a great life we've got, and it rushes by at a squillion miles an hour. And the important thing to do is to fill every single day. And so that's what uh, I have been doing. And that's why I find this book, which um, I picked up and I've been reading it myself again, actually, over uh, each evening, just reading another chapter and thinking about uh, the different people I met along the way. The acts of random kindness that happen because you're on your own, because you're um, weirdly vulnerable. That's a very weird phrase to use, vulnerable, because, you know, there are two things you can rely on. One's yourself and the other is your bike. But each morning you wake up and you don't know where you're going to go today, what route you're going to take, who you're going to meet, what you're going to eat, and where you're going to stay tonight, which is really odd because most of the time we like to plan those things. If you're hungry, you go to your fridge. If you're tired, you go to your bed. But every day you have none of those things uh, is 
for certain. And it leaves you open to the possibilities. And it also means you're right in the nowness of living. You haven't got to aim for somewhere in particular. It's not about reaching that destination. It's about making the journey. Oh, is that it? Yeah, that's it. That's all you got to do to enjoy the journey. Because uh, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, and today's a bonus. Hey, what a lovely thought. Sorry. So I'm knowing from the comments that people have been making, and you've made this comment to me that, uh, today, Andy, about uh, how uh, this is a little bit of a surprise. It, it's it's not what you expected. And people are enjoying this in uh, lockdown or in this year of reflection. Perhaps it's something to think about for um, uh, for your pals for, for Christmas or maybe it's just for you. I hope you enjoy it. It's, Timmy, you know, I don't mean to sound sycophantic because I was a huge fan before reading the book, but the the book is just, it is, it's really special. You know, it's, it's, I know it's your journey and it's very personal and you share some amazing insights and anecdotes and, and, and things about your career and your friendships and your relationships and, 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 and your spiritual nature as well. But it is such a sort of powerful, like you say, living in the moment, you know, the, the a celebration to reach your potential, you know, it's, I know you did it in honor of, of Martin and, and that, that's on every page. You know, it's, 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 a, it's almost a love note to your brother in a way, isn't it? Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that, Andy. I do, because uh, it's surprising, isn't it, how important your, your loved ones are in your life and, um, you know, take time to appreciate them. Perhaps we don't do that very often because brothers and sisters usually annoy the hell out of each other. <laughs> we look for ways to, to, to tease them or, or whatever, but uh, they're there. And uh, how lucky we are to have uh, people who are special in our lives. Absolutely, absolutely. But then, but then I sort of touched on the intelligence uh, that, that's clear in the book as well, Timmy, and the stories that you tell us, the history. I mean, for example, the story, you know, we've talked about St. James, of course. That was the, uh, that was the ultimate goal. The, the finish point was, was to go to, to where he's buried. But, of course, you, you know, you have this wonderful story about how it's not all of him. He, he's missing a yeah. left hand. And, and yeah, he is. Just, a left hand yeah. that is the Thames Valley. And it's been here for 900 years. And you go, what? Hang on. <laughs> That's just nuts. You don't go around, uh, you know, divvying up bits of uh, of some uh, somebody's body. I mean, that's just really, really odd. Well, especially, but especially the ways it was used as well. You know, I think there was a wedding gift to start with, wasn't it? And all these kind yep. of mad things. You're like, what? Crazy. Yep. Yeah, but but you know, is it quite so different to what people? may do today i don't know i I'll, I'll just flag up that that thing that you know when uh when your loved one passes away uh, you've got ashes um where do you put them uh, and uh, it sometimes they are divided up there might be some in different parts uh, different places where uh, where where your loved one loved don't know. So maybe that idea of St. James's left hand, which is in the Thames Valley in, uh, in a cupboard in a church in Marlow, that's odd. That's just really odd. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I rather like, uh, I like that. I just, I like the bit uh, that um, people are all over the place. But that's, I mean, but that's, 
but what what I love about that, Timmy, is not only is it true and fascinating, it is it is one of many, many true fascinating facts and stories that you unearth over the course of your adventure. And it it's you know, this is what I mean. It's it's there's so many layers to this book. You know, it's it's Well more... be inquisitive. I think it's the important thing is being inquisitive. I, I, I realised I was doing some of this during the Wackaday uh, years when we were telling stories on um Wackaday, you know, recounting uh, legends or tales when we're off filming around the world. All of that is full of stories. Uh, and um, somebody's been, been showing me some of those again recently, and I'm, I'm quite surprised at the things we covered and, and uh, I'm pleasantly surprised and enjoying the fact that they mean so much to people. The, the comments on my social media from people saying, oh, tell me again about the gremlin and the Kremlin, Timmy. Did you really control him with doctor controlled space? <laughs> yes. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Timmy, what does it, what does it mean? To, I mean, how does it feel to, to, to have such sort of affection and such importance in the lives of two, three generations of, of people living in the UK? Because you, you must be aware that you know, you know, you're not just a household name, you're a beloved household name. Well, there's a bit of responsibility with that, isn't there? Uh, uh, yeah. And that is to... Uh, Stop and engage with uh, with people, and when they have a story to uh, to recount, um, it's rather nice to hear it. So it is um, most days. Somebody says, "Oh, I remember when da 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 da," uh, and this has always been in my mind. Well, I like hearing those stories. Actually, it's it's rather nice to be reminded of when somebody says, "Oh, I remember when you told us we had to have a, a license for our bike on April Fool's Day." Uh, in, back in 1985, and I went out to try and get one. I've never <laughs> ever forgotten it. Oh, it's brilliant, uh, Timmy. I've I've got to ask you: Are you because you're clearly a dreamer, but you're also an achiever? Are you a, are you a goal setter? Because you, you you sort of tell a story in the book of how when you were growing up, you you sort of imagined what it would be like to have a you know to have a pop song out to be a top of the yeah. charts and obviously yeah. itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini was it did num- yeah. number one all around the world but yeah you sort of you say in the book that you never really thought that would actually happen it was just something you imagined as a kid well i really like this phrase i came across on my adventure which is dream big and your life can be big uh, uh it doesn't mean it will it's just a possibility that it can be. And, of course, the opposite is true. If you dream small, your life will be small because you haven't set the bar high. So setting the bar high and aiming to do things is a very, very good thing to do. And we can do this each and every day. So uh, I've been thinking about this a lot during this particular year when we can't travel uh, uh, beyond our borders very comfortably. Who wants to sit in an aeroplane with a face mask on for for four hours? No, thanks. Um, So we're doing lots more um, traveling around the UK, and I've done quite a lot myself this year. I went to Northern Ireland, and we had a – a family holiday around the province of, uh, of Northern Ireland, which was really revealing. I loved it. Um, and then I did a big cycle ride with my pals through Yorkshire um, uh, for a week, uh, 280 miles in, in, in one county. Wow, exploring and engaging in that. Um, I swim every day during the, uh, during the warmer months. And this year I swam the equivalent of uh, London to the Lake District. 
swimming every single day, uh, up and down, um, you know, an hour or so uh, every day, maybe an hour and a half. And why? Because I've set myself a target. I'm going to see if it's possible to do. And my family look at me and say, you're nuts. And I go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what's new? What do, would you expect? So I'm absolutely determined. I do have uh, aims and ambitions. I do have things that drive me and I do have things that I want to achieve. Uh, and I don't say them out loud too often. I keep them inside because once you say them out loud, then there's a time limit on it. It's got to happen. So you you work the dream out, and then you do it, and then you announce it, and you go for it. And I'm determined to make the most of every single day. So don't be surprised if you find me out on the bike cycling the uh, all around the United Kingdom. Uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if in, in days to come I'm not um, – cycling either the length and breadth of uh, of the UK, John O'Groats to Land's End, or maybe further, or maybe around the entire country. Maybe just making a target to visit every city there is. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. quite a lot of cities in Britain. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. There's a bunch of th- thoughts in my mind, uh, but certainly they will involve going off and exploring and taking with me my paints and painting it. Yes, I mean, we haven't even touched on your art, which is quite brilliant. I mean, I've, I've obviously, whilst I was reading the book, I was visiting Google and various other sites to see what you had painted or created from various different stop-offs. And my goodness, I mean, you know this, you don't need to hear it from me, but you really are an incredibly talented artist. Well, it's about, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad you, you're liking them. I, uh, you know, I paint in colourful impressionist landscapes uh, and uh, I'm inspired by the light uh, and colour. I mean, you would expect me to love colour and I like just, I I like the inspiration. I like the fact that inspiration comes right outside your window each and every day. And it's a joy to, uh, uh, a joy to do that. There's some, some of the paintings there in the book, uh, in Utterly Brilliant, My Life's Journey, and I'm delighted that there are uh, some limited edition prints, which you can see at the uh, perfectly named Mallet's Palette website. <laughs> <laughs> that's now, amazing. That could only be Jimmy, couldn't it? Mallet's Palette. Uh, which shows some of the uh, Camino paintings and it shows the uh, the limited edition prints so you can share in those and have them on your wall and they're, they're uh, very uh, reasonably priced. It's absolutely joyful. Timmy, Timmy, who do we have to thank for, for Timmy Mallet, for this amazing human being that, that with this incredible outlook on life? Where, where and at what point in your life, you know, presumably childhood, did you realise I am going to seek out the best I can from this from this world, and and I, and I choose joy. Ah, ah, I, I, yikes! Yeah, where does that come from? I, I suppose these things come from uh, from family. Start first of all, and secondly, from uh, education, from your, your your schooling. I mean, that just sounds really obvious because uh, you know, have a wide eyed wonder. I had a very good boss at TVAM who just said, have a wide-eyed wonder, fella. Hey, get out there and, and uh, make a smile. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and, and he said, if, the, if things are funny, make sure you laugh. Uh, you'll notice one of the things that I was keen on when we were filming Wackaday was none of the 
stories or interactions ever had voiceover. I, I don't particularly like using voiceover in uh, in the story. I like if you can't be, if you can't say it in front of somebody, then don't say it at all. Um, it's it's an important little lesson, I think. So um, so that was about engaging with people uh, and just seeing what they what they deliver. And people are the same all over the world. We all have the same things that we uh, we hope for, which is you know uh, a, a nice bit of refreshment, a, a comfy bed, somebody something to make us laugh, and uh, someone who will uh, who will make us feel good. Nailed it. Nailed it, Timmy. I mean, you, you, honestly, you're an inspiration, and I, it, I'm genuinely, I, 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 I sort of sound so much like I'm blowing smoke up your bum here. I'm, I'm humbled to be chatting to you. I think you're a fascinating man, and, and the, like I say, utterly brilliant, your book. There aren't enough words I have to describe how, how touched I was reading it. I really thought it was a sensational piece of literature and brought me closer to you, even though we'd never met you know, prior to this conversation. But, uh, you know, as, as with so many other people of my generation, I, you know, we have felt an ownership of you anyway because we grew up with you. I just, it's, it's terrific, Timmy. You're, a, it's, you're just a wonderful human. I've just really felt <laughs> that from, from, from every page and from every, everything you've done. You're just a, a special, special person on this planet. And it's, uh, it really is a pleasure. Thanks, Andy. Thank you very much. It's been lovely chatting with you. Really have enjoyed this. And I'm, I'm glad the book uh, resonates uh, for you. It was a joy to write it and a, a joy to make sure that every single word lands. So in the writing process, uh, I had a lovely uh, uh, business of, right, don't use it was very nice. Uh, yeah, make sure that make sure that every word uh, lands. And a couple of little things that you will notice now, because I'm going to tell you about them when you go back. You'll see that the opening paragraph or the opening line of each chapter tells you what's going to happen in that chapter. Uh, so you get the conclusion to the chapter right at the very beginning. And uh, what we're going to in encounter along the way. Oh, I'm that's going, interesting. I'm going, straight, there you go. I'm going straight back now. I'm going straight back to re <laughs> re reread it. Back to the yeah, bookshelf. Come up with one of the Martin Mallet name tags, which, uh, as I say, all over Europe, you know, uh, let me know. Leave it there, but let me know because uh, I like that. I like that little way we leave a mark. And all we have to do is to make sure that mark that we leave wherever we tread is uh, has a smile attached to it and is a pleasant word top man timmy you've been an amazing guest and uh, just such a joy to chat to thank you so much for your company today it really has meant the world to me so i really really appreciate it thanks andy thanks ever so much and uh, keep being brilliant on that radio show brilliant <laughs> utterly brilliant <laughs> utterly brilliant love you thank you timmy what a star driven with andy J. Hey there, you're listening to Driven here on Talk Radio with me, Andy J. Now, I am so, so excited to welcome my next guest, a supreme illusionist, magician, painter, writer, philosopher. In fact, he's a man who has an incredible talent for getting inside your head. I would describe him as the ultimate mentalist. Please welcome the amazing Darren Brown. How are you doing, Darren? <laughs> uh, very good, thank you. Nice to talk to you, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm absolutely <laughs> well. You must have you must have been kind of referred to like that in the past. I'm assuming. Yeah, exactly. Well, mentalist was a perfectly fine uh, job title until that Alan Partridge episode many years ago, and then since then I had to scramble around for other titles. 
<laughs> well, you've got plenty of other subtitles. We're all good. In fact, on The Mentalist, bit of a random tangent for you. I heard, this is some time ago now, I heard the Simon Baker TV show, the American TV series, where he is a sort of uh, kind of sleuth that assists the the, the, the the, the LAPD or whoever it is yeah. by being the guy that can get in people's heads. I've heard that was based on you. Is that right? The message, uh, I think it was. I think the writer was a, a, a was a, a fan. And um, yeah, I haven't actually seen it, which I, which I should do. I don't know if it's based singly on me, but yeah, I think, I think, I think I was a big, um, a big chunk of that, which is nice. It's, so, yes, it's a really good it. show. You should. Hey, listen. You should totally. I hear. It. I hear it's amazing. I hear it's amazing. Of course it's. Well, of course it's amazing. It's based on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. precisely. But no, you'll kind of you you'll watch it and you'll kind of go, okay, cool. Because the other thing about him, I don't know why we're talking about Simon Baker now. I brought it up. It's my fault. But the other thing about him is that he is such a natty dresser. He wears the coolest suits going. So I think you'll be quite. It's definitely based on me. It's definitely based on me. There. Exactly. Definitely. It's totally you. It's totally you. It's awesome. No, right. You totally got to watch that. Now, Darren, look, there's a thousand things I want to talk to you about, but I have to start off with a little happier. Notes for reassurance. It is your new, it's your bite-sized book, if you yeah. if you don't mind me calling it that. Your bite-sized version of Happy, which of course everyone knows, was your sensational Sunday Times bestseller. And now we have accessible chunks of how to be content. Is that is that a fair way to put it? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So I um, that book came out of a couple of years ago, happy the, the first one, and uh, it's a bit of a commitment. It's a, it's a chunky thing, um, so the idea was floating around to do a shorter version, anyway. And then, just given how things are at the moment, it just seemed a good uh, a, a good time to come out with something that was showing us essentially two thousand year old ways. So it, a lot of it is about stoicism, of um, doing away with unnecessary anxiety and, and disturbance, which was the stoic. Plan. They had an idea of happiness that was sort of about uh, tranquility, I guess. So the Stoics were a, it was a very popular school of thought. It was the biggest one, actually, before Christianity kind of took over. So some of the ideas were picked up by the early Christians and have sort of stayed with us in some form. So some of them are kind of familiar. But they were really, uh, they really thought a lot about what the good life was uh, back then in a way we, in a way we don't know, uh, in a way we don't now. And I, I think it's a good, a good message for nowadays, too. Yes, I mean it makes a lot of sense, but but my question really is: Does it still leave room? Because it because it is, you know, from from what I can glean from it, and and, and I have read Happy, incidentally. So obviously this, oh, is, this is which is wonderful, love it. But you know, there are things that you say in there, such as like for example, goal setting. Don't fixate too much on the future. You know, let's yeah. just, let's just kind of live in the now, which is also a very Buddhist thing, etc. You know, it's it's mm. about. I, I think it was, I think it was. Uh, the Dalai Lama, who was asked, "What's the secret to happiness?" and his answer was, "Be happy." <laughs> yeah, it, it, it can be a choice. It's sort of an interesting thing. One of, one of the uh, one of the regret, one of the top regrets of the dying, which have been uh, looked into and logged, is um, I wish I'd uh, remembered to be happy. It's kind of a, one of those interesting um, things. But I think part of the problem is that we see happiness as a kind of a we see it as a as a thing. Which sort of maybe like maybe other people have, or it's sort of our birthright to have. And we get a bit fixated on it, like it's a really simple thing, and it, and it isn't. It is sort of an activity, and it is choices, and it is uh, a byproduct in a way. It's not sort of a byproduct of finding meaning in your life. You know, it's a very difficult thing to chase directly. And the the trouble with the modern mode of of, of happiness, the sort of American model that we've all inherited, which goes back strangely to. Calvinism, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of Protestant work ethic, which is that we have to believe in ourselves 
and set our goals. And if we just do that hard enough, then the universe will kind of provide, you know, we'll be able to crank life over into exactly how we want it to be. And the problem with all of that is that it doesn't really work. Like goals are great for sort of short-term things like Mm. learning a language or so on. But, you know, you can spend your life climbing a ladder and then realize at the top you had it against the wrong wall, to use the phrase that someone else has said somewhere along the line. Um, you, the, the trouble with fixating on those kind of things is that you, you just don't you just don't know. You don't know what's going to make you happy. Or when you get there, what next? You know, you've achieved the goal, but maybe the, um, maybe the journey towards the goal was actually what was keeping you happy and, uh, and occupied. And then when you, when you arrive, suddenly you're empty and, and bored. Or maybe you don't get there, and then you've got a feeling of failure to add to your problems. So it's actually a, it's a strangely optimistic model, but when life gets difficult, which it will always do at some point, it, it lets us down that kind of um, that sort of American-based <laughs> optimism. So the Stoics said the opposite of that, and this book is, is at heart saying um, that we have our like if you imagine a graph, right? So we've got our aims and our, our goals on one side of the graph, like the x-axis, and on the y-axis is what they used to call fortune. They had a much greater respect for all the stuff that life throws back at you that we can't control. So that, that's the other axis, okay. life throwing stuff back at you. And the reality is we live a sort of X equals Y line. There's a, a meandering diagonal that we live along, where sometimes we're on top and sometimes life is on top. Sometimes things are going the way we want and, uh, and often they're not. And the trick is to make our peace with the fact that there is this other element of fate and fortune, you know, just, just life, stuff we can't control. So what the Stoic step was, the only things you should try and control are the things that are in your control, right? Because you'd be needlessly frustrated if you tried to control things that you can't control. Sure. But the only things that are in your control are your thoughts and your actions. And that's it. And if you think about it, that is true. Everything else, everything outside, we have no control over at all. Uh, and sometimes we have little bits of control here and there. So again, you just tease apart the bits you are and the bits you aren't in control of. But it always comes down to you're in control of your thoughts and your actions and everything else. The trick is just to kind of roll with it, to decide on some level, everything on the outside is kind of fine as it is. And you just roll with that. And what what this does is it brings your center of gravity back inside. And it gives you, it was all about a sense of robustness, a sense of uh, kind of inner tranquility. And these were politicians and movers and shakers. This is not a recipe for complacency. I guess it could be. But it isn't. It isn't about that. And I think it's a very solid, good uh, model of happiness. And it kind of gives you something to hang on to. It gives you some specificity because it is about the avoidance of disturbance, as opposed to some strange chimera that is very hard to define. Yes, it's it's, it's sort of about leveling it out so you, you're not stressed, isn't it? Really, it's sort of it's that that kind of inner calm. Yeah, it is. It is. Now, of course, it isn't the answer to everything, and no one philosophy can be the answer to everything. But it is very good, and it's very solid and it really does hold up but I think there's an, there's an opposite thought which the book also uh, goes into which is well, first of all the value of anxiety I mean like you know you, you don't move forward in life you don't grow unless you sort of have to let something go like you know you don't, you don't cross the road on your own without letting go of your mum's hand there's always some kind of anxiety to deal with if we're going to move forward in life and having a certain amount of anxiety that's appropriate and being able to let that sit <clears throat> is also a good thing. That's a good life skill rather than fighting fighting anxiety and seeing it as a deep because you can make yourself more anxious 
uh, if you think that you're not supposed to experience any anxiety, right? That just isn't part of life. And the other thing is, which I think is really important, is that these points in life that we're taken to that, uh, that are difficult, we tend to feel when they happen very isolated and like maybe like we failed or we feel sort of imprisoned or we feel panicky and we feel alone. But actually those moments are where life invariably pulls us. So they are, in fact, they're the points where we're most connected to the rest of humanity. They are the point that we're actually having a very shared experience. They're the, point, the points of great connection to others, but they feel very isolating. So at the moment, I mean, we're feeling, we're in a very literal example of that, aren't we? We're on the one hand physically isolated, but on the other hand, all, all sharing in something kind of extraordinary. And sometimes acknowledging that and leaning into a feeling of, of sharedness. So this isn't a stoic idea at all. It's kind of the opposite. It's more about leaning out rather than pulling your gravity in. Uh, I think can also be, uh, yeah, a very, a very helpful thing. Remembering that we all, we all have these messy and difficult and complicated and awkward lives. Yes, absolutely. And of course, I guess another thing that, that, that comes across very clearly in, 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 in the bigger book in happy is, is, you know, it's, it's not about I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if, it's you know, you, you've talked yeah. about the journey and it's and it's in a really important point now one of the things that you talk about i've seen you live many times it's been an absolute privilege and and also mm-hmm. you know it, it's one of the things that you discuss quite openly you talk about how we're all trapped in our own heads we tell ourselves stories mm. to make sense of what's yeah. going on so what is the story that you tell yourself darren what do what do you say to you <laughs> well i think that the, the point is for me is to be aware that stories are just stories. And it took me a long time of doing magic shows, and, and which is it's quite a childish thing doing magic, really, of any sort. And it took me, a, I was always on the lookout for ways that it could have a more grown-up meaning as well. And I realized that it's a very good analogy for, for how we deal with the world. So here is this infinite data source coming at us. There's an infinite number of things that we could think about or pay attention to. So the only way we can make sense of what's going on is to condense things into a story, to edit and delete and form a story about what's what's going on in the world. Then we sort of mistake that story for the truth. And of course, a magic trick does the same thing, right? You you mis- you tell yourself a story of what you think you've just seen. And like with a magic trick, there's a whole load of stuff going on that you miss and stuff that we don't know about. And particularly nowadays, when you know the idea of one story being heard and, and, and your story being told, and whether you're written in and out of the story, you know, this is very sort of common language nowadays. And I think. We can jump very quickly to the idea of taking authorship of your story, like that's the end of, like that's the end of it, and that's that's the important thing. But there's, a, I think, the more important task for us is to realise that a story is just a story. That there's other stuff going on that we're not including. That is the nature of the story. Mm-hmm. Stories are told around firelit clearings, right? They're cosy, cosy things. But around that firelight, there is you know, dark forest, and there's all that stuff that's being excluded. And that's where the monsters lie. They always lie in the, in the forest. The stuff we don't include uh, is the stuff that will come back and bite us. So it's it's the value of stories. The world only reaches us through the stories we tell ourselves about it. You know, thing, the big stoic lesson is that it's not events themselves that cause our problems. It is the stories we tell about them. So we can't avoid it. We can't avoid the fact that we are applying our sort of narrative prowess to, to everything that happens around us. So the key is to, on the one hand, take some control of that, like where we choose to focus and the, the stories that we do, do choose to tell. I think in the same breath, just realizing they are stories and our particular view of the world isn't the truth. Yeah. No, well, I mean, 
everyone's truth is different, isn't it? So what is truth, mm. really? I mean, you know, we could get really big in philosophical, philo- philosophical <laughs> I can't even say the word, let alone keep up with your level of intelligence. So that would that would lead us down a very dumb path, in my view, and you'd be excelling and I'd just be lost. But, Darren, when you wake up, when, when you open your eyes mm. first thing in the morning, because th- this show is called Driven, and it's about what drives people, what people do that's mm. different to others, what, what makes people one remarkable and and you are remarkable the things you've done the things you've achieved the way you see the world and now the way that you're helping people actually is remarkable you are an outlier and you have been in many many different fields so when you open your eyes well you just are i mean even even your artwork is sensational and and, you know quite brilliant you know you're phenomenal (laughs) painter as as well as you know this supreme thinker and and performer and all these things just brilliant Anyway, enough, enough, enough yeah, smoke no, blowing in the room. Stop! You, you stop there. You no need. But I, I'll just keep. I'll just keep waxing lyrical and then not get to my question. So when you when you wake up for the first time, when you, when your eyes open for the mm. first time in the morning, what goes into your head? What what is it that you think of first? Oh God, um, I am particularly happy if I have a free day. I'm 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 quite sort of um, quite introverted. So what what I what I really like is a day when I can get on with, uh, like painting, for example, as you say. So I paint big portraits and sell them on my website now. So this is my main lockdown activity is painting. So that, I think a, a day of a day of freedom um, is very motivating for me. There is a uh, there's a sort of a, a stoic practice of what they called premeditation, which I don't really do, but occasionally on a good day I'll remember and I'll do it. Which is to take, you know, thirty seconds. Who can find it in the morning? Of, uh, of thinking, uh, thinking ahead to the day, and just getting ahead of any bad responses where you might let yourself down. It's just a kind of a little mental rehearsal of where you could, uh, you know, where you could be a, a better stoic or better person during the day. So that's that's a helpful thing if I remember if I've got stuff coming up. I think might be difficult. Um, but generally, I think. Uh, what really, if I know I've got the day to paint, that is just a, that's a huge joy. I think just that, you know, so I'm sort of quite enjoying some aspects of the, uh, of this, of this lockdown, where it, it, you know, giving me a bit of, a bit of time to, to get on with that. Yeah, that's good to hear. But, but also I'm hoping that, that you haven't finished with making us dazzle and and taking our breath away i mean the number of things you've done for the for the british public and beyond actually with netflix and you're a huge star in america as well you know you you are still going to continue to dazzle and delight i hope well i i hope so so the tour i'm I'm doing was supposed to start the week that lockdown hit so um so showman hopefully will be back on the road Well, well well not back on the road starting in february next year so uh, this is yeah this is kind of a hiatus but uh, that that should be that should be up and running then so it's nice having a bit of time and finding other things uh, to do but no I'm not I'm not uh, not intending to just paint yet but I do like the book writing book writing and painting is a very comfortable uh, joyous uh, thing for me followed closely by touring so yeah hopefully that will all that'll be kicking off in the spring. Good. I, I have two very random last ones for you, Darren, because I know we're tight on time, but I have to ask because I how often am I going to get a chance to talk to you? You're, you're, <laughs> I, th- I think you're awesome. I've just said it. I've said it again. I think you're brilliant and I'm absolutely delighted to be chatting to you. So a couple of very random ones. Is it true that you love to collect taxidermy? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, if you could see the room I'm in now, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much surrounded. Uh, yeah, I do. I do. It's a, 
it's a great barrier against any unwanted sexual attention. <laughs> it's a strange, it's a strange, yeah, it is, it's an odd, it's an odd thing. Ethically sourced taxidermy, that's the key though. Everything has to have died naturally. Okay. Um, so a lot of things have, you know, passed away in zoos and people's pets and so on. I think nothing's been, uh, you know, hunted, which is a horrible, uh, horrible world. Um, so yeah, but I do, I've got a house that's full of dead things. Amazing. Um, and my other one for you, and, and this I find, because I find this so interesting, is because when people think of you, one of the things that we, we consider is that yeah. you are surrounded with success. You know, we've only known you as a success. You know, we've, we've seen you as performer, as showman, as the man can glue us to our sofas and predict the lottery and play Russian roulette live and, you know, do all these incredible things. We haven't realised that you had a life beforehand. And actually, mm. this is what I wanted to dive into very quickly. You know, after graduating, you lived on benefits and you had a pet parrot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I, uh, so I graduated in law in Bristol, law and German, and German. And I, uh, yeah, so I was just about starting to scrape a living as a, as a magician. So there was a restaurant in Bristol that I would go around the tables in. There was a couple of restaurants I used to do that with. And I'd occasionally do people's parties and weddings and so on. Um, so yeah, I was, I was on housing benefit and then I signed off as soon as I could with that. I was on the income support and I don't know what these things are called nowadays, but, but yeah, and I lived in a, essentially my student flat, which I kept on. So it was quite cheap rent. I didn't drive. I have any expensive habits. I just had this little, little parrot and I used to go out and, uh, read a lot during the day and then, you know, go and do magic gigs in the night. It was, um, it was a really lovely uh, kind of existence. And Bristol's a you know, beautiful city to do that in. And it was, I kind of miss it, actually. It was, there was something very, very lovely about that. Nice. I'm sure I was lonely and, um, you know, kind of bored too a lot of the time. But my memory of it when I think back is, uh, yeah, it's quite idyllic. It's lovely. Do you have the parrot stuff now? Oh, I don't, no. So I, I've, uh, but I've had other parrots since, um, uh, yeah, they're, they're incredible creatures, gorgeous. I've only had the small ones. I've never quite had the giant, like the cores and so on. I've had little, little parakeets and uh, the sort of the slightly smaller ones. But yeah, they're, they're beautiful things. Uh, but no, I've never, never had any of my own pet stuff. I think the problem is, like I've got a couple of dogs at the moment. The trouble is, if they don't quite look right, <laughs> that's going to be really, really disturbing, isn't yeah. it? If you just get like a generic dog or bird back with the right colouring, but the expression's wrong. It would just be very creepy. So no, I don't think I could, don't think I could do that. I have this wonderful vision now, Darren, not only of you in this, in this room surrounded by these incredible creatures, but, but also of, of people looking back from their weddings, I guess maybe in the early 90s, looking through their wedding <laughs> albums and seeing this magician. And how cool <laughs> would they be to go, yeah, well, we had Darren Brown perform for us at our wedding. <laughs> that would just be so cool. <laughs> well, the, for the first year or so, after the first TV show went out, I wasn't getting any gigs or anything, um, so I had to. I was, I was in gigs following sort of from the the, sh the show. So I, I went back to carrying on working in the in the restaurants. But occasionally people would say, "Oh, you look like that guy on uh, TV. You look like that Darren Brown." And I'd I'd go, "Yes, that's me." And they wouldn't believe me because you're essentially a bit like a rose seller when you're going around the tables doing doing close up magic in a restaurant. So. Yeah, that is that is a bit. Uh, it's a bit. It was a bit of a strange, a strange period. But that's not. You know, that's nice. Occasionally, I have people come up to me after a show and say, you know, you, you did my wedding years ago in Bristol. It's lovely. Brilliant. And of course, I'm sure you say, oh yes, I remember. It was lovely. You know. <laughs> and I lie. Yeah. I lie. To the 
It was my best wedding ever. Um, Darren, you've been an absolute joy. I know we're so tight on time. I could talk to you for hours. I find you absolutely fascinating, and I'd love to talk to you properly in, in the future. But a little happier, Love, I'm sure we'll get a chance. I would really love that. A, a little happier notes for reassurance. It's out now, and I, I can't recommend it highly enough. I think it's one of those things that is going to help balance people, help them give a sense of calm. I mean, you, you pitch it to me in one sentence. I think you've just done it. Balance and calm. I'll take That's that. That's it. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, thank you so much. Have a wonderful thank day. You we so really much, appreciate Andy. your thank company. Bye bye. Driven with Andy J. Okay, hey, you're listening to Driven here on Talk Radio, uh, the show that talks to celebrities and achievers about what drives them. And I'm elated to be able to welcome, well, she's just a, an absolute superstar. It's the wonderful Amy McDonald. How are you doing, Amy? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm alive and kicking, thank you, Amy. And I have just been, well, in fact, I told you just before we started recording, I have just been getting down to the new stuff. The new album is out, the new single is out, and it's sounding absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. Do you know what? There's so much we need to unpick, Amy, but I guess you must be in this kind of mad whirlwind of new albums out, new singles out, it's everywhere, it's getting rave reviews left, right and centre, plus the world's on lockdown again, so it's not like you can kind of go out and gig, left, you know, all over the place. Ah, I mean, are you just like in a kind of crazy whirlwind of mixed emotions right now? It, that's probably the perfect way to describe it. Um, it's, it's been a little bit like a, an emotional roller coaster. Um, I am kind of all over the place emotionally at the best of times, but when you throw in bringing a, a new album that you've kind of worked so hard on, bringing that out, um, but the, the kind of backdrop of the world in which I'm bringing it to, um, it's been a very strange situation. Um, like you said, normally I'd be all over the place doing promo and gigs uh, when actually I'm just kind of sat at sat in my, my living room doing interviews over my laptop for most of the day, so it's not been the, the most inspiring of, of album launches. Yeah, yeah, no, I can imagine it must be quite peculiar. I mean, let, Amy, let's talk about what it's like, because this is album number five. You know, you're, you're, no, you're no stranger to a new album coming out. You've done it four times before and absolutely smashed it. They've, they've landed brilliantly. They've been amazingly well received. So does that increase the pressure for album five? Because if I'm, if I'm right, this feels like your most personal and your most kind of intimate album so far. Yeah, um, it probably is. I mean, I feel like I'm at a point where I'm kind of taking stock of, of everything that's happened and being a little reflective, um, but also looking ahead. So it, it does feel like a, a really personal um, record. Um, I think that the majority of the pressure that I get kind of comes from myself. Um, so because my other albums have all done well, you kind of want to continue the trend. But sometimes I think you have to be mindful that the, the music industry has kind of changed beyond recognition. Um, so it's it's not the same place that it was when I released my first album. I brought my first album out and it, it sold three million copies, but people generally don't sell three million copies anymore. So I need to be careful and, and not try and compare myself to the past because we, we just don't have that that landscape with, with music anymore. So the, the pressure is there, but it kind of mainly comes from myself. I just, I just want to make 
a record that I'm proud of, but but also a record that my fans like and, and the, a record that resonates with them. That's that's always the most important part for me. I think it's it's absolutely and very clearly resonating from what I've been seeing online and, and the kind of buzz around it. But it's really interesting for you to sort of talk about how you can't really compare with the past because of how things have changed. It's a little bit like me looking at photographs of myself from 20 years ago going, oh, yeah, well, I don't look like that anymore. But... <laughs> 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 it's like a completely different person. Oh, so now I'm just kind of like the old fat version. Okay, well, uh, doesn't quite work. There we are. <laughs> not to work. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the message is let's let's not compare ourselves to the past. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good fun. But I tell you what, though, your kind of CV is it's kind of mind blowing, isn't it? You know, you've performed live for more than three point three million people around the world, which is. I mean, I can't even envisage that number of people, let alone... And you have seen them. You have stood on a stage and seen all those individuals looking back at you from, it, from every corner of the globe. Yeah, not all at the one time. Or... No. no that would be quite a venue, wouldn't it? So, today I'm performing in all of Russia. You know, I mean... Just a massive yeah, stage that... above them all. No, clearly not all the same time. But nonetheless, you know, they add up, right? You know, you kind of, you must be aware that there's just this colossal army of people that, that have historically come out to see you. And if they could right now, they would again. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, performing live is the, the most exciting and the most important part of what I do. Um, it's where you really prove yourself and, and you kind of prove that you can do it um, on that stage and I think that's where a lot of people fall down they, they have these great records out and then you hear them live and you think well that's not too great <laughs> thankfully um for, for the past 13 years I've just constantly toured and um people have, have seemed to enjoy it because they've, they've came back time and time again and, and even now although we can't we can't tour I have put um a small kind of tour out for sale for next year um and I've been really pleasantly surprised at how well the tickets are selling because with this kind of uncertainty that we all face and, and not knowing what's, what the world is going to be like next year, um, it's amazing that so many people have still kind of wanted to, to kind of part with their hard-earned cash and, and buy some gig tickets. So I'm, I'm really pleased about that and, and really hopeful and excited for for that day when when we're finally allowed to kind of get back on the road and and get back on tour yeah i bet i mean actually i can i can attest to your quality live because i've been watching plenty of your the youtube videos of your live recordings and you have really got it i mean you know how to turn it on don't you um i don't i don't know i kind of just do my thing um for me the the thing that i love most about playing live is just the connection that you get with the audience um i have a habit of talking quite a lot um, in between songs and, and I, I sometimes wondered if people got annoyed at that but it, it seems to be my, my kind of little my little signature move now people always say that they absolutely love the kind of connection and the chat between the songs and, and I spend so much time just smiling at people in the audience because I, I genuinely just feel so lucky to be in that position <laughs> 
It's, it's you have to do it, Amy. It's one of my favorite things about going to see people live is that connection. You know, I'll rem- I remember when I went to see for the first time. I went to see Jay Z. I don't know if you've ever seen him live, but he makes a point of of pointing people out from all different parts of the arena or wherever it is, and he says, "I see you," and he describes people. I see you, and it is a huge moment because it means that it's not just right. I'm coming out to perform the same set, and you're just different faces. It's a completely immersive. I'm here with you, and you talking to the audience you engaging like that it's vital i think it's it's what live is i totally agree i mean there's loads of bands and artists that don't really do it and and i think that's a shame because i remember when i was younger and going to gigs when i was growing up and i absolutely loved that interaction and that connection you you kind of you felt really special and and you felt that you you had this kind of bond with with whoever was on stage and and that was amazing um as a, a fan of whoever band it was you you just kind of went away from those gigs um not only having enjoyed the gig but just with a, a huge smile on your face because you really felt part of it well there's also that thing amy and and i don't know if you feel the kind of pressure of this as a performer or if you're even aware of this but there's also that thing when people come to see you live which is the whole question of can she hit that bit you know you know um like for example in the phantom of the opera do you know that musical where i think it's sarah brightman goes really really high at one point you know she's just right. going mad high and people sometimes would go just to see if she could hit that note right well <laughs> some of you which is you know remarkable but some of you know the vocal moments in in so many of your songs I hope you don't sort of take this the wrong way, but they're almost sort of Shakira, Anastasia-esque, you know, where your voice does this amazing thing. And kind of from a recording perspective, you kind of think, wow, how many times did she have to record that specific note? And then you you see you live doing it on YouTube, etc. And it's like, oh, no, she can do that. That's cool. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, um, it doesn't always happen like that. <laughs> there's, there's, there's sometimes there are a, a few bum notes in there, but um, nine times out of ten, I think it's okay. But you do, um, I do have this habit of writing songs that are so incredibly difficult to sing, and then rehearsing <laughs> for a tour and thinking, why did I write this song like this? <laughs> um, but, I have found <laughs> I have found that um, the more that I sing something, the, the less challenging it becomes. I, I remember a song on my second album um, called Don't Tell Me That It's Over. And at the time, it just felt impossible to sing. It just felt like it was like a kind of vocal workout every single time I had to perform it. Um, but now I don't even think twice about that, that song. It's, it's kind of a nice little break in a set normally. So it's, <laughs> I think it's just getting used to it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like rappers that give themselves that super speed bit. Uh, what have I just done? I, I got to perfect <laughs> this now every time. So, yeah, good yeah. for you. I mean, that's absolutely awesome. I've got to tell you, Amy, do you know, um, so so I'll be honest with you. I've obviously listened to the new album, the new single. I, I'm genuinely really, really enjoying it. It's an album I'm going to revisit many, many times. It's absolutely quality. It's called The Human Demands. The new single's The Hudson. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. And I was, of course, aware of your work beforehand, but I hadn't necessarily thrown myself into your body of work. I'm, you know, being completely honest. I have in the last kind of 24, 48 hours. But do you know that thing where... You know when a friend tells you they've just started watching a TV series that you've seen and loved, that's many series long, and you're kind of jealous because they're about to go on the journey that you've been on and you know it's awesome for them and you sort of wish you were there at the beginning? Do you know that feeling? Yeah. 
So I that, totally know that feeling. You're just kind of like, you're so lucky. I'm so jealous that everything you've got is amazing. Well, so I'm kind of like that with Amy McDonald right now. You know, I'm so delighted that, that you know, I've, I've kind of discovered your, everything you've got because you've got loads of tunes out and it's brilliant. And I'm like, yeah, I'm so pleased for myself. Does that make sense? Ah, uh, that, is, that is so lovely to hear. Um, I think that's probably just my career I mean I've had the success but I've always kind of flown right under the radar so there are a lot of people that that will maybe know my name in passing or know one song but that have never really properly listened to any of my music and um, I I think that it's it's quite nice that you can then kind of go back and and discover it Um, I I just I feel grateful that after all these years that um, I'm I'm still here kind of putting another record out and and still able to kind of sell tickets and and make music and go on tour Um, I, I just genuinely feel very very lucky to have had the kind of support I've had over the years and I'm, I'm just excited that there's there's still people like you that are still kind of fresh and, and discovering, discovering my music. I'm chuffed to bits. You know, I'm absolutely chuffed to bits. When I heard I was talking to you, I was like, oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. Because, you know, I knew, say, three or four of your tracks, but I wasn't kind of super aware of it. So this kind of dive in, I'm absolutely made up. I'm like, yeah, she's brilliant. This is really good stuff. Now, I've got to talk to you about some of the themes in the new album because it, it does seem like... right. Let's get a bit personal here, Amy. You, you signed your first record deal age 18. You're now the ripe old age of 33. By the way, I'd love to be 33 now. That would be, that would be amazing. I'd have to turn the clock back so far, it would probably wouldn't go that far back. But for you, it, it's the oldest you've ever been, right? So, so you know, yeah. I can tell you it only gets better. Don't worry. But there's quite a bit in the album about you kind of not being all that thrilled about getting older and, and being scared of being old and 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 depressed and down and and I mean talk to me talk to me where are you at how's how's things yeah no I'm good I'm good I think that a lot of that side of it is kind of a reflection of my career and the industry um the, the music industry is, is kind of it's always been about who's the new young thing um and it's it's always been that way So when you're not the new young thing, you're kind of just in the middle. You're either the new young thing that everyone's talking about or you're an old legend and there's never really space for people like me just in the middle. It's kind of a bit like no man's land and you you start to feel that you're a little bit like a piece of the furniture. So I think that's where that side of it comes from. Like I I know that by no means I'm I'm not old at all. Um, But I think in the industry, I probably am um, because... I mean, you don't see many you don't see many people breaking through in their mid thirties. Like it just doesn't really happen. You you've kind of got the the old established legends, or like I said, the the young artists. So in the the industry, I definitely kind of feel a little bit older and and a little bit kind of in the background. Um, and I think that's where those kind of thoughts and feelings came from. But also, I mean, the the place I am in my life is at that kind of point where all your friends are either married or, or they're having children and it feels like quite a drastic change, especially yeah. in your social circles. And um, like that side of your life completely changes. And um, even like speaking to like my, my, my best friend, she's about five years older than me, but um, us talking to each other about the, the worries of you see your parents getting a bit older and all the, the kind of thoughts and fears that comes with that. And, and I think just at that point, in my life, it just feels like a really kind of crucial um, time because it just feels like everything is changing. 
Yeah, no, that's completely valid. It's not just a lack of parties, Amy. It's people, yeah, no, people stiffening up, needing a few extra sugars in their tea, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, no, but it does. I promise you, it does get better. You know, life is great, and it, I mean, obviously, right now, twenty twenty is a slightly different thing. Everyone's going through. Oh, I mean, well, we all know yeah. what we're going through, but you know, aging is not something to be afraid of, in my opinion. You know, it's. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. But I, right, there is some real depth to you as well. Okay, now the, I, I apologize immensely if I get this wrong, but I, I would like okay. to try and remember the lyrics to, to to part of the Human Demands, which is which is one of the songs on the new album, obviously called the Human Demands, because it, it just it really hit me, I to the point where I had to replay it. I had to kind of hit skip back. Hang on, what did she just say? And skip back again. You know, because sometimes you hear a lyric that totally arrests you and goes, wow. And you can just immediately connect with that. And so in the middle of the human demands, you say, again, I might get this wrong. I'm just trying to get it from memory. I think it's, okay. do you ever really feel like you're all alone, surrounded by the people you love the most? And you can't explain because they won't understand. It's not simple feelings. It's the human demands. And I was just like, I, again, I'm uh, sorry if I've, got your words slightly muddled up there but i think it's close it, i tried to remember them the ju- i was yeah, just like, no. i was completely blown away by that because you know you're effectively well what are you saying because i think i know what you're saying but what what were you saying um it's just that that kind of feeling that sometimes you just don't feel right and you can't really put your finger on it and i think for so long we've we've put these kind of ridiculous pressures and demands on ourselves and on each other that it's somehow weird if you feel like that and I think that the more that we kind of talk about it the more we realise it isn't weird and it needs to it needs to be normalised because life isn't rosy all the time there are ups and downs there are great times but there are also setbacks and, and I think that if we kind of all come to realise that and don't put these pressures on ourselves and on each other, then it might be a little bit easier in the long run. Well, yes. <laughs> Blimey. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, I mean, you're incredibly, th- you're obviously a very deep thinker. You know, is it how much do you live in your head and how much do you just kind of go, okay, this is, this is paper worthy. I've got to get this down on, on paper right now because somewhere this is a song. Yeah, I mean, I don't constantly have lyrics kind of running about my head. I'm, I'm not the most prolific of songwriters. I um, I kind of need to wait until I feel like I've got something to say. Um, I kind of use story, uh, songs like their little short stories. And um, sometimes that, that can take a while to come to you and you can take a while to have an idea. So I'm, I'm not somebody that kind of travels around with a notepad or constantly singing notes into my phone, but sometimes ideas do come to me and I, I will kind of sing into my phone or, or write something down. And, but for the most part, I kind of wait until I feel inspired and, and sit down and, and then try to kind of run with it. Brilliant. I'm absolutely uh, blown away. I think it's amazing. Um, Amy, let's have a bit of fun. Got a couple of sort of fun facts that I'd like to talk through with you about you, if that's cool, including a very random thing that I discovered, which made me laugh. I hope it tickles you as well. Um, This one, it didn't make me laugh. I believe this is true. You were inspired age 12. You started playing because you were inspired by the band Travis. Yes, um, I went to the Tea in the Park Festival um, up here in Scotland and um, I absolutely loved every second of it and Travis were the headline band that year and I just remember being completely blown away and um, 
and Healy has that same wonderful thing where he spends so long explaining the songs and chatting <laughs> with the audience. And um, it just felt it just felt like a really special experience. And I remember thinking I'd love to do that. So um, after that, I kind of started to teach myself to play guitar and um, started to play along with all my favourite songs, which were all the kind of Britpop things like Ocean Colour Scene and Oasis and all of that. And then eventually just started writing my own songs from there. I think that's really very cool. Uh, another very cool thing, you've got the mod father on the second album, Paul Weller. Yes, he, he um, I actually, um, the first tour that I ever went on um, in 2007 was actually a support tour for Paul Weller. And um, he was doing an acoustic tour around Europe. Um, it was just himself and Steve Caddick from Ocean Colour who was playing guitars for him and um, they were both so nice um, Steve Caddick I kind of kept in contact with he's just such a lovely man his whole family were lovely um, and when it came to making my second album because I had that connection I was able to um, record the record in Paul Weller's own studio um, and it was quite cool to be able to convince him to play a little bit just to have that kudos of writing on the credits in the booklet that things were played by Paul Weller. Yeah, because, I mean, he plays more than guitar, right? He, he plays a bunch of instruments. Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't actually there when he, he kind of put his parts down, but um, for, for me, just, just having his name on there was quite cool. What a shame. I mean, he could have just told you he did them. <laughs> he could have just been like, yeah, 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 yeah I did that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe it wasn't even him. <laughs> it was his mum, Mrs. Weller, popped down, popped down and did some tinkling of the ivories. I think that's awesome. Um, look, right, I've got a deep question for you, but before I've got a deep question, because I know we're tight on time now, but before I go deep, I want to go light. Now, I quite like to, okay. you know, when you Google, I don't know if you Google yourself, but if you Google other people, Google has this thing where it automatically fills in the blanks, you know, after you put someone's name in or a, or a start of a question, it fills in and, and you can see the variables. So it's often, so for you, for example, it might be, is Amy McDonald married or how much is she worth or like that kind of thing, you know, there's all, all these random yeah. things. But there's often random things in there. And this is where I've got for you because I think it's, personally, I think it's hilarious. But let's see what you okay. think. <laughs> so instead of the, is Amy worth or whatever, is Amy McDonald? It's there's a people also search for section. Okay. Right. So according to Google, the people who search for you also search for top hit Susan Boyle. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Don't worry. I can, I can make it better for you. It's so Susan Boyle, but it's closely followed by Paolo Nettini, Jerry Rafferty, Fish and Billy Connolly. And obviously, it's because of Scotland. Yeah, it's the Scottish connection. Um, a... But that's that's a very cool cool group of people there. I'm not I'm not too bothered by that. That's not too shabby. <laughs> that would be. I mean, how cool would that be as a dinner party? That would be one cracking guest list. Oh yeah, totally. 
it would probably be wild as well. <laughs> yeah, without any shadow of a doubt. I think it would be awesome. Um, so, look, Amy, my last one for you. The show is called Driven. It's about what drives people, what what gets people out of bed, what gets people focused, motivated, taking themselves on, doing different things. And, of course, in particular, it's, it's mostly pertinent right now because we're all in this mad, thrown-up world of topsy-turvy weirdness. So, I guess, how do you keep going? What is it that drives you to, to just to get up, to get a smile on your face and just to be? Um, I mean, I think there's a few different things. I mean, I absolutely love music and, and I love performing and I love that, that I'm kind of able to do that. So I, I do feel generally lucky um, that, that that is my job and it's, it's not too difficult to kind of get yourself up for that. But I think ultimately um, I, I feel like um, as I've got older, I feel like I'm kind of like a mother figure and I just want to protect everybody in my life. So I think... The, the idea of going out to work and earning money, for, for me, I, I want to do that so that I can help my family and all my friends um, and, and do what I can for them. And, and just the idea that hoping that I can kind of work hard and, and make sure that everybody's in a, everybody in my life is in a good place. Brilliant. Brilliant. Good for you, Amy. That's fantastic. Well, listen, I, you know, I wish you all the success in the world with the human demands. I, I think it's brilliant. I hope that you, you do get to perform live next year. I'll definitely come and see you because I'm completely convinced I'm a total convert. And I also hope that we get to hear <laughs> albums six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. You know, I think, you know, long, uh, long may the Amy McDonald train continue, please. Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind of you to see. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Amy, thank you so much. What a joy. Really appreciate you coming on the show. So there you have it. Those are your three for this week. Darren Brown, Timmy Mallett and Amy MacDonald. We do our level best here on the Andy J podcast week in, week out to bring you the biggest names we can possibly reach. And let's be fair, it's kind of tough right now getting hold of people because it's locked down and everyone just wants to hide. But... These guys, well, when they chat, sometimes they just chat and chat and chat and it's so rewarding and so interesting. And I think we got really lucky with these three guests today. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did having those conversations. We'll be back again in your pod platforms with more guests for you next week and the week after and the week after. We're just going to keep on, keep on going. So if you haven't subscribed yet, but you're kind of picking in between the guests Love it if you'd hit subscribe. We do our best to delight and surprise week in, week out. And we're working as hard as we can to bring you the biggest possible names and the best possible conversations. Thank you so much for your company. It means the world, especially those of you that listen to the end. Wow, you're my favourites. <laughs> Have a great week. We'll be back next week with more. The Andy J Podcast. <laughs>